Sup, y'all, and welcome to the Press on Sports podcast. I'm Jack Vita. What a Friday it is. It is July 5th, 2019, 4th of July weekend. So much to get to in the world of baseball. We've got all-star rosters being released. I'm going to share my picks for the all-star starting lineups. So I'm going to share those. We've got the Cubs trending downward. Lots to talk about there, of course. We've got the Home Run Derby coming up, so we're going to give some Home Run Derby predictions. And we just had baseball being played in London last weekend. So much to get to on this Friday, but first, I want to welcome in our guest for the day, Jordan Morandini. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm back. Welcome Halfway back. Halfway through the season, Jack, I'm back. Yeah. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing great. How fast? I mean, it feels like I was just doing the preseason one with you, and it's already halfway through the year. It's kind of sad almost that half the summer here is gone along with half the baseball season. Is summer your favorite season? Um, Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah. given I've lived in Indiana for the majority of my life in Pennsylvania, we do get the much, much enjoyable winter. Um, so yeah, I always look forward to when it's the sun shines out and you can go outside consistently. So yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I love being at Lake Michigan in the summertime. It's my favorite thing and going to baseball games, having games to watch every day. There were a lot of good games to watch yesterday. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of good games every day, Jack. That's the one thing I like about baseball season too, is, you know, every single day there's, you know, a couple games you can tune into guess you get that a little bit with the NBA, but with the NFL season, it's like, oh, I got to wait till Sunday or I guess Thursday too. Um, but it's so nice to just wake up and have a nice set of games, even when your team's not playing. And I think there is a unique dynamic to that that you mentioned with baseball in the sense that you get a different starting pitcher every single day. So you could be like, ooh, I want to watch Mike Soroka pitch. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't want to watch him pitch yesterday. <laughs> I did in the first inning. I enjoyed watching him throw in the first inning, and then it got ugly for my pills. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And it feels like really, Jack, around the league right now, every single team, you know, apart from even the starting pitching, they have a you know a player you want to watch, a player you can enjoy watch hit. Um, so I think the league as a whole is in a really good spot, and I think it offers you know a good, a good game or two, good game or three every single day that you can tune in and watch a certain guy or watch a certain pitcher. Every single day. Yeah. And may I just say, MLB Network is fantastic. They do such a great job keeping you covered all season long. Yeah, a little bit better than the uh, the ESPN situation as it is now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another, topic for another topic. Yeah, yeah, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> but, all right, let me, let me do something real quick. Give me your favorite MLB Network personalities. Just toss in a couple there. Oh, geez. Hold on, Jack. I gotta look up the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you a few. Yeah, uh, let's hear yours first. J- Joe Girardi. Okay. Great cerebral thinker, you know, engineering degree out of Northwestern. Very bright guy, manager. You've got John Smoltz, who I think is the best in-game color analyst in all of baseball, and then Ron Darling. All three of those guys, whenever they come on, I'm Mm -hmm. just glued to whatever they have to say. And that's not even talking about the everyday guys that they have, like Mark DeRosa, who I think is fantastic. Well, yeah, I think they have, I mean, they have so many of the guys that we've seen, you know, grow grow up almost on other networks. Um, Some of my favorites, I've always liked Harold Reynolds. He's enjoyable. 
Um, I always thought he was really good whenever he'd do the Little League World Series. So yeah, he's been a nice addition. He's got a good voice. He does. Dan Plezak brings a lot of energy. <laughs> he's an enjoyable listener. Yeah, he's great. Um, and really, I mean, they have so many of those guys. Uh, let's see, Kevin Millar is another one I enjoy. I mean, they they have guys who know the game, and you can tell know the game. Um, and I think they have a really good set of insiders too. You know, they have the Peter Gammons of the world. They have the Jason Starks. So it's just a really good lineup day in day out to provide really good coverage. Yeah, Kevin Millar on Intentional Talk, they do some of the best interviews on any network. When they get a hold of those guys' personality, you find out a lot about the players. So those interviews are very fun. I enjoy that very much. Yeah, it's a great show, actually. I don't get MLB Network really anymore, (laughs) so I have to watch (laughs) clips of it on YouTube here and there. Um, But yeah, the entire network as a whole is really well done. They've got an all-star cast of characters. So... Speaking of all-stars, I think we should talk about... transition. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) Let's talk about who you and I voted for for the all-star teams this year. And let's start on the NL side. Mm -hmm. So we got a... I thought we got a pretty good eight guys here in terms of your position players. Mm -hmm. But I want to know, is there anyone that you voted differently or would correct out of these eight starting guys? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was a really, really good job overall in terms of the starting guys. Um, If there was one maybe I had to change, I don't know if I would have went by as it short. I think Trevor Story has a pretty good case. Um, He slugged better. His on-base percentage is better. Um, His power numbers are a little under Baez's, I believe. But he does. He's stolen. I think over double the bases as well. And sure, you can make the argument that oh, he's playing um, in cores every day. But I mean, I still think he's probably right there with Baez. I thought that was that really could have went either way. Um, apart from that, you know, I think it's a pretty good list, Jack. I think Contreras has been the best catcher. I think Freeman's been the best first baseman. Um, and I think the outfield group, honestly, is probably right there. Acuna, maybe you could have made a case for somebody else, whether it's a Blackman or um, who's the other reserve for the National League? Uh, Dahl. Dahl. And I probably would have had Blackman. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I think overall it's a pretty good group. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I am with you. I voted for Trevor Story at shortstop as well. I think that you talk about that Colorado factor, and one thing that you did not bring up um, that I will add is that if you look at Arenado and Story's road splits versus their home splits, there really isn't a big dramatic jump off between the two in terms of batting average and OPS. But if you look at Blackman's splits, it's been a few weeks since I looked. I was looking at these very closely during the voting process. He was hitting like 450 at home and maybe 230 on the road. It was very, very drastic. And that's where I think if it's that dramatic, then you do raise an eyebrow at that. So I I like the Acuna pick. Yeah, and I think with the Acuna pick too, you get one of those like young rising stars that they often like to bring into the All-Star game. Um, And just an extremely talented guy. And along with that, I think it's fair that the Braves do have two starting All-Stars. Um, you know, Freeman obviously has been fantastic. 
Yeah. Jack quietly, and he's not talked about nearly as much as a lot of the big name stars in the league. You know, he might be one of the more underrated stars in the he league is. as a whole. Yeah, he's consistent. I think mean, he's hit over 300 each of the last three years, and he's over 300 again this year. Um, his power numbers this year are way up. He's got 23 bombs at the break, and I think uh, I think he might have had 23 all of last year. Um, so Freddie Freeman is having a heck of a season right now, and he's been a huge part. Uh, to why the Braves currently lead the NL East. But along with that, I think, you know, they're one of the top two, three teams right now in the NL as a whole, number two overall, I think, in wins. Um, so I think it's wor- they're worthy of two All-Stars. And Acuna has kind of backed up his selection as well. He's kind of a do-it-all type guy. He has power, he has speed, and he hits for a good average. So I, I do like that the Braves have two All-Stars in the lineup. <clears throat> I like it too. I think it's funny. The thing with Freddie is... He's not even the first guy I think of on that team sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if you're the same way, but I guess I just think a lot about these young players that are really exciting and they're, you know, a little more flavorful. Mm-hmm. So I think naturally we think about Acuna and Albies and even Donaldson because he's a new guy they brought in. And Freddie is, yeah, he's been remarkable. He, and he's the prototypical first baseman. He's everything you could want in that first baseman, leader type, uh, very level-headed, good guy. And the other thing that you, I actually, well, we'll talk, we'll mention in a second, but mm-hmm. the other big thing with Freddie is his defense is very good. Yeah, I mean, overall, he's a, he's a great player. And he's, he, in my um, situation, he's definitely the first guy I think of when I think of the Braves because he always seems to kill my fills every <laughs> single time. Um, and I just look, he's one of those guys like I, I am not, I can't stand the Braves, but I do like watching Freddie Freeman hit. He's one of those guys, like I mentioned, kind of in our previous segment. Every team kind of has one of those guys, he's the one for the Braves. I could watch Freddie Freeman hit all day long, fantastic first half. And in my opinion, probably the reason the Braves are where they are right now. Big time, yep. uh, big time player right there. However, I actually voted for Josh Bell. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to get. You're gonna have to give me a serious breakdown here because <laughs> <laughs> I, I Bell's had a phenomenal first half, but I just I think overall Freeman's been the better player. Well, here's the thing. They've been pretty equal in a lot of statistical categories, except for OPS. I think Bell's got, he might be top in the National League in OPS. He's over 1,000, or at least, you know, right behind Bellinger and Yelich. He's been, it seems like those three guys for a big chunk of the year have been the three guys we've talked a lot about for MVP. However, Bell is not the defensive player that Freeman is. His team is not in first place. So Mm -hmm. really, this was one where I was, this was a really tough decision for me on the ballot. And I think I may have been swayed a little bit just by how dominant Bell was for the first two months, and they cooled off just a little bit in June. Um, Now he's torching the Cubs, hit four homers this past (laughs) series. Looks like he's back. But he he was hitting like 350 entering the month of June. So I I think I may have uh, had a preconceived notion there, but I really felt like either guy, and they both got in, I don't think you could have gone wrong with either player. I think those were the two guys that... You could have flipped a coin. Either of them should start. But ultimately, I think Freeman is a great pick. So I didn't have a problem with that one. Yeah, and I, I think 
I, you know, the more I look at it, I do think Bell does have a case. Is he lead? I think he leads the NL in RBIs. He's driven him 81 runs already. Yeah. <laughs> 81 runs driven in. Uh, I think he also leads the NL in doubles with 30. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he had a heck of a first half. I do think the fact that the Braves are in first place probably was the reason the edge went, ended up going to Freeman. That was probably a big piece of it. Maybe the Braves voters, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that would also make it. <laughs> and. Uh, I don't want to get into the voting process. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll cut it there. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to glance at, I think, yeah, they did a great job on this. Keitel Marte. I was very pleased to see him get in at second base, very deserving. And I thought I was a little worried because he's having the best year out of the guys of, uh, at that position. He does play a little bit of shortstop too. So he's not just limited to second base, but in terms of that category and the guys he was up against, I was a little worried that he wasn't going to get in because he did not have that big fan base behind him that some of these other teams had, but I thought he's very deserving. And obviously Yelich and Bellinger being those two MVP types are easy choices to get in there and Wilson Contreras I think there's no other guy who's been close to him in terms of catching this season in either league statistically no Contreras has easily been the best uh especially offensive catcher yeah offensive yeah offensively yeah catcher in the league this year yeah he's no doubt deserving I mean he's blown pretty much every other catcher away offensively um I enjoy the Marte pick too, and it almost Jack. I don't, it might have been a travesty if he didn't end up starting. Yeah. I mean, he's hitting what three ten, three twelve. He's just had an absolute fantastic first half. He's kind of a do it all guy too, with the twenty, the twenty bombs, the nineteen double, one hundred and seven. He leads the NL in hits. I mean, very very good first half, and no doubt deserving. And I think that's that's got to be his first selection, right? Yeah. It yeah, is. pretty awesome for your first selection to be in the starting lineup, too. So good for Marte on a fantastic first half. Yeah, and I was going to throw in more thought on Contreras. Just the fact that he has been the Cubs' best player this season, most consistent. Mm-hmm. And statistically, it isn't super close. I mean, maybe you could put Bryant right behind him. And Baez has had a good year overall. But that guy's been the most consistent driving force for the team. And I think it's fitting... Um, I think it would have been fitting if he was the only starter for the Cubs in this All-Star game because the Cubs have been a little underwhelming this season. Now, Baez, he he should be in the game, and while I did not vote for him at short, I it's not a it's not a huge deal who's starting and who isn't, but I felt like that would have been a little more fitting for this team. But overall, yes, the fans did a, a pretty good job here on the NL side. Yeah, and a big shout out to Contreras too because he had. Jack, he had a pretty down year last year, didn't he? Second half, yeah. He made yeah. he actually started the All Star game last year at catcher, and I do think Real Mudo should have been there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Contreras should have been reserved, but Contreras came to play in that All Star game, hit a one or two run homer. Yeah, from a year ago. I mean, he did have two pretty good first two years in the league, but from a year ago, his batting average is up over forty five points and his uh on base percentage is up about 50 as well so yeah he's really turned it around in terms of from last season to this season yeah and i the think the second right half to- was rough but uh what's his obp is it it's pretty close to 400 I believe. yeah 386 yeah. <clears throat> so yeah he's had a really good first half and no doubt deserving i mean in terms of Baez, a, a lot that plays into that too along with i mean he, ha- he has had a good first half but 
it's a it's a superstar type thing. He's one of the probably he might be the most covered player in the league of anybody, um, and I think that definitely plays a role kind of into. You, you, those are the type of guys you want in the all-star game. Um, and he, he'll reel in some of those Cubs viewers that might not have tuned in regardless. Without him. Whoa. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but oh Baez, every Cubs fan loves Baez. So. <laughs> I actually, so we, we can mention pitching a little bit. We probably won't have a whole lot to talk about there. But I do think there are two guys from the Cubs pitching staff that I actually would have liked to see if you were saying, okay, the Cubs get four All-Stars. Yep. And they only they only got two. Or no, they got three because Bryant got in. But uh, if the Cubs have four, Baez would be my number five. Based on, I think there are two pitchers that have had really, really, really good years. Neither got in. Cole Hamels was maybe the second best pitcher in the league, in the National League, in the month of June. He had, he's had a really, really nice year. He, ERA under three, uh, really went into the all-star break, pitching great, got injured with an oblique strain last weekend, very unfortunately. And then Kyle Hendricks also has once again put together a great year as the Cubs' number one pitcher, very stable. Now, he just got back from the DL so I think both those guys you could have put in there for the pitchers, but I think it gets a little tough with the pitching uh, because every team needs to have an all-star in there. So a guy like Sandy Alcantara goes in to represent the Marlins, ERA over four. It's a little tricky, but I think both those guys, in terms of I'm looking at the Cubs because I watch them so often, I think both those guys could have easily been there too. Well, yeah, and I think part of it plays into it too. And you mentioned Bias would probably be your fifth. He would be up towards the top for me just because of the position he plays. Yeah, uh, shortstop yeah. isn't necessarily a strong position. So really, apart from story, in the National League, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, in the National League, that's what I mean. Apart from story, there really wouldn't, wouldn't have been any competition. I don't think for at least a top two shortstop spot for Bias. So yeah, um, I think that's part of it too as to why Bias was kind of an easy selection and ends up getting into the starting lineup is because there's just not as much competition at that position. Yeah, and I want to mention just a, a quick note on Baez. He's a really good player. I just there I've seen some stuff for the last month that has concerned me because he is leading the league in strikeouts in, in all of baseball, not just the National League. He's leading the league in strikeouts. And eventually the pitchers are gonna figure out this guy chases at everything, and you can throw him strikes that are two feet off the plate. He's going to swing. I've seen a lot of that, and I just wonder in terms of how sustainable is the success that he's had because when we talked, we talked in April, I believe, or early May, we did this preview, mm-hmm. and he was amazing out of the gate. But he's been slowed out, slowed up a little bit, so I think I really want to see him make some adjustments in order for him to get to that next level of a Bellinger or a Yelich of a true superstar elite national league player right now i just think he's a really good player and there's a lot of cubs fans whenever i jump into a debate they <laughs> they love to mention harper's strikeouts when yeah their star as well has uh you said it right he leads the league in strikeouts in the nl so yeah I mean, he's not a perfect player jack but he's a very very good player yeah all right let's go over the al side So this was a side that I thought there were a lot of different directions you could go. This was a little more open. 
So give mm-hmm. me the ones that you would have voted differently on or you did vote differently on. I thought there were some areas here where maybe more options. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of people at least were kind of at least late towards the end of the situation, the end of the voting and everything. We're pushing for James McCann behind the plate. Um, I think he has a decent case, although Gary Sanchez obviously put together a pretty dang good first half for a team that lost three fourths their lineup and is somehow still yeah just ridiculously pulling wins. Um, Jorge Polanco, I get the Twins having a first timer. Um, Lindor probably could have been there at short. I think they're both right there. Lindor's kind of gotten hot as of late. Um, so he was one that I probably – it was kind of a 50-50 for me in terms of who I would vote, especially because Cleveland's kind of made a push in that division now. I think they're only, what, four games? Six. Oh, the, oh it's back. Okay, it's six. Um, but it was, what, 10, 11? It's, it felt, yeah, this is the closest yeah, they've been like, since April. So Cleveland's starting to make their push. But I do think the Twins, I think with 54 wins at the All-Star break, you deserve a starter, so I get it, Polanco there. Um, in terms of the outfielders, Jack – there, I mean, there may be some arguments, and I get them, but I kind of like the three they selected. Um, I'm, it's hard to ever say a guy like Springer or Brantley. Those guys have both had such good first halves. And if they're hitting 310, I mean, you can probably make a case for someone else, but it's hard to hate on the selection of those two guys. And obviously, Trout, um, Trout's more deserving than any other player in the league. Um, I'm interested to see who who did you think on your end could have potentially taken a starting spot. Okay, so outfield, I'm glad you bring this up. Springer was the front runner for MVP, maybe up to uh, beginning of May, mm-hmm. or you know, some point in May, and then he got injured and missed a month. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people held that against him, and while I think he is deserving, I did go in a different direction. I had the other two outfielders. I voted for Austin Meadows. Meadows from Tampa? Yeah. <laughs> I Give me the breakdown. Think he's, well, I think he's had a great year, too. Mm-hmm. I think he's been a little overlooked, and he. I was surprised that he only got 5% of the vote. I think he was the lowest out of all the finalists for um, when they had the election day. Very much deserves to be there. He's on the bench. Very deserving. I get where you're going. I just think Springer's yeah. numbers are better. Pretty much over yeah, across I, the board. I think he has more home runs. His batting average is higher. The RBIs are pretty close. I think he scored more runs, too, along with the on-base percentage, 30 points as well. So even though he yeah. missed time, Springer did, I think the numbers still back up the fact that he should have started there. Yeah, and this is one that was very close for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I did vote Listella at second base, even though that was a really, really, that's a really close call. Um, and unfortunately, Listella just got injured. He's not going to get to play in this game, which is kind of heartbreaking because I know a lot of people really like the guy. He's a good guy, and he's a, been a great story this season. Um, I'm glad he made the roster, but LeMahieu, look, there are two guys that I said I want the Cubs to sign last off season. Yeah. That was DJ yeah. LeMahieu and Michael Brantley. And those guys are both in the MVP race right now. <laughs> yeah. And both playing absolutely phenomenal baseball. Um, you did bring up LeMahieu and I, I honestly can't believe how well he's playing Jack. <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> um, 
I mean, he's another one. I touched on Sanchez a little bit with it, but I mean, that entire starting lineup was out for a good chunk of time. They haven't had Stanton at all. They haven't had Judge at all. And they're still right there in the – they leading the – yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're up seven and a half games in the East, Jack. <laughs> and they had the, literally their entire – I mean, it has been an incredible run for the Yanks in this first yeah. half, given injuries. Um, so I think LeMay – I mean, he has been such a key piece for them. Fantastic signing. Um, and it, it's one that really, really worked out. I was expecting a good year from him. I don't think anyone was expecting this kind of great year. I was surprised, no, however, no. though, that the Yankees were looking at him as a platoon player and a utility bench guy mm-hmm. coming into the season. I understand he had a down year last year, but, I mean, my goodness, this guy's a gold-glove defensive player. He's won a batting title just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He's a great yeah, player. I mean, yeah, yeah, very good player, and it's paid off. No question about it. It has paid off. Yeah. You have that many injuries, you need your platoon guys to step in and become everyday guys, and he's done just that. <laughs> yeah. So is there anyone on these rosters on the bench that you want to mention, you want to talk about, anyone you think should have gotten onto the roster? Um, I didn't really make notes on guys who were necessarily snubbed. I think it's fair to touch on Joey Gallo. Yeah. Um. Because he was a guy who, honestly, what up until this year was pretty much a 200 hitter, who was home runner bust, and he's turned himself into a very, very good player. He's had a fantastic year. Shout out to Tex for this one. Uh, <laughs> but his, his on base percentage is 420. He's up to 276, Jack. Before this season, he never hit over 209 in a, in a complete season in the MLB. Um, so hopefully, he keeps it going. But I think he's worthy of a shout out. Um, and along with that, not only is he still hitting or he's hitting for a much better average, but his power is still there. He had 21st half bombs. So I was going to talk about one guy off the bench for this, for the AL. I think he's definitely worthy of being talked about. I've got one guy who didn't make it in the American league. And I'm going to be fair because I have been a little critical of him, uh, in some of these previous podcasts. If you listen to me and Parker, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, well, I have, you know, made fun a little bit of Tim Anderson's whole, oh, like, okay. I'm going to change the game of baseball and it's boring and all that. But I got to give him credit. He's having a great year, and I think he should be in this All-Star game. I'm a little surprised that Abreu made it in uh, as a White Sox. Maybe that is just in terms of position and need and competition in the position. Maybe... I mean, you've got LaStella and Brandon Lau are both injured, so maybe another infielder gets in. But Tim Anderson's having a very nice year. He's hitting around 315, 320, and a lot of RBIs. He's had a great year. And I know I touched on Lindor. uh, Like, he was one I kind of debated to throw into a starting spot. But I wouldn't have really argued if Tim Anderson would have made it over Lindor there from this first half. Um, Anderson's going to be a 2020 guy, potentially 25, 25 if he gets hot with the with the power. Yeah. And what's he got? 11 bombs, 15 stolen bases. Yep. I mean, he had a fantastic first half, and along with that, Jack the White Sox have become a really fun team to watch. Yeah, um, with a ton he of deserves a lot of credit for that too. Uh, yeah, 100. Um, percent So yeah, I think I think you make a good point. I do think he probably is worthy of a selection for his first half. Gosh, if I was hitting 317 with 11 bombs and 15 stolen bases in the first half, and I didn't make an All Star game, I would be very very frustrated <laughs> yeah and i know they just put in bogarts and glaber torres over him so 
I mean, that seems a little in, bit yeah. like the East Coast bias, just to, just a touch. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I kind of I want to see him get a chance to get in there. Like, I don't. I'm not saying I want someone to get hurt, but if someone just says, you know what, I don't want to play. I'm not feeling great. I want some a day off. Get Tim Anderson in there. I think he deserves it. And there's been a fair share of injuries already in this American League, haven't there? Hunter Pence got hurt. Yeah. After the voting, um, and who else? Another great the, story with Hunter Pence too. Yeah, was it Oder? Is Oder Rizzi hurt right now? I think he is. So I Maybe. think. Maybe. Yeah, Jose Barrios is in for him. So, yeah, there's been a couple injuries. It looks Tim Anderson might need one or two more though to try and sneak in because they just did add a second baseman and a shortstop. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. gonna be tough. All right. Well, it'll be a lot of fun to watch next week. I'm looking forward to it. We've got. I mean, this is, I believe, this is a third year now that this All-Star game hasn't meant anything in terms of home field advantage for the World Series. Do you have any thoughts about that idea that the MLB went with for almost 15 years? I kind of, I get why it doesn't. But I do enjoy the fact, or I did enjoy the fact that it did. Yeah. Yeah. it just made the guys try a little bit more, you know, <laughs> it just gives a different element to it. Um, and I'm not saying, I do think the baseball all-star game is easily the best of the ma- three major sports. Yes, I would agree. But I did like the aspect of, wow, there's something we're playing for something. There's something on the line. Um, again, I get why they do it, but I, I'm not a huge fan of them getting rid of that. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people are like, well, that game shouldn't count for anything, but really, it's like the American League is so top-heavy right now, mm-hmm. and maybe it's a little bit better than it was last year because last year it was just ridiculous how many bad teams there were versus yeah. how many good teams. And when that when you're, a league is overall weaker in terms of... I mean, maybe it averages itself out, but when you have that many bad teams, the division leaders are going to gang up and win all those games. So it's not like there's a real easy way for to determine home field for the World Series. And because these leagues have been so different. So I'm going to pitch a little idea here for you. Uh-oh. If they were to go back to making the All-Star game mean something, tell me what you think of this. Okay. So the World Series team from the winning league in the All-Star game they ins- they get the choice for the World Series. They can choose. They either get home field for Game 7 or they can choose which league's rules they play with for the World Series. So wow. National League team yeah. can say, oh, we, we don't want a designated hitter. We want... Uh, we, we you can have home field but yeah. no dh i think that's a fun way that you could have some sort of a strategy behind it and it evens it out a little bit so that both parties are happy in some way that's a very interesting idea <laughs> <laughs> oh can you imagine an al team that's had a dominant dh all year long and the NL says, nah, we're not playing that today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, that- yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it. Um, I would just go with the standard of what it was. Okay. Um, but that would add a 
interesting element of strategy to it. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes sense that the winning league gets home field. Um, I just, I, I like that it adds something to the game. Um, you're going to see guys, whether they admit it or not, probably try a little harder in an all-star game. Um, but I don't know if the league as a whole would like that idea of them yeah. selecting a non-DH and then a star DH. You know, the Yanks have to take one of their monster bats out of the lineup. <laughs> and he's not hes not in the lineup, or he is, and he's playing the field, which he's done twice all year, <laughs> in a huge, crucial game seven. But I do li- – that's interesting. I do like the thought of it where it's, it's a strategy game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I just don't know if the league would be a huge fan of it. Yeah, I can't imagine any guys having a problem with that at no. all. <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's fun to talk about well nevertheless all-star game is the most exciting in all sports at least of the four major sports i'm i don't want some soccer fan or some independent league baseball fan saying oh you you don't know about how great our all-star game is and maybe it is great but i'm looking at you know big four leagues the nhl mlb NFL and Major League Baseball and the other thing is even without it I think we've been able to do a lot of fun stuff the last couple of years that we would not have been able to do had uh, this game been more competitive I think they're able to experiment a little bit this whole idea of interviewing the outfielders while they're playing (laughs) that's a ton of fun I absolutely love that yeah I love that addition yeah Uh, yeah I think it makes the game it makes the game fun. And I love as well how every team gets an all-star. Um, so any, regardless, everybody's reeled in. Um, yeah. You at least get to see one of your guys. So I do think the MLB does it very well. And then you get the moments like Nelson Cruz wanting to take a selfie with Joe West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't necessarily see that type of stuff in the other. I mean, Pro Bowl is unwatchable. <laughs> yeah. It cannot. I mean, I can't. I can't. Um in terms of, you know, the NBA, I think, can be entertaining down the stretch if it's a close game, but a lot of times it's not. And uh, I, it used to be more entertaining, but I think just the way the league has moved with so many guys understanding the importance of resting and not wanting to get yourself injured, they play, you know, very lackadaisical. Very yeah, very safely. They don't put themselves in harm way. You're not taking any really hard fouls or fouls really, period, in that game. <laughs> so, yeah, I think... I think it's very obvious that baseball does it the best, or at least is the most enjoyable all-star game. And I don't watch the hockey all-star game, so I'm sorry if I'm hurting NHL fans. Um, But of the major three, I would say it does it pretty easily the best. Major three now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if you look at viewership numbers, hockey is nowhere near the other three, so you you could make the argument. Yeah, okay, well... It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited. And the other the other thing that we should add in terms of competition, these guys are competitive because you have these pitching pitcher versus hitter matchups that they're all invested in. And I think that's a different component that the other leagues don't have. Like Javi Baez is going to face let me let me look at let's say he faces Verlander. He Oof. wants to take Verlander deep. 
And you like, know Verlander wants to strike him out. <laughs> exactly. And that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You might not see a strike in that at bat. <laughs> <laughs> Verlander's going to watch the tape and be like, yeah, down and away slider. <laughs> 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 All right, let's talk about uh we'll do home run derby picks at the end. You yep. get a chance to watch any of this London series, Jordan? Um I was in Vegas, so no, but I did get to I mean we we had a couple of Yanks fans with us, so I did get to, you know, hear about the series. Um whole lot of offense in that series, Jack. <laughs> what did they do? What did they do to those balls? They make them look like beach balls when they were throwing those? <laughs> I was going to say, it does seem that they juiced those balls up a little extra. Everybody was swinging a Sosa bat or something. (laughs) Yeah, the cork them up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, very very interesting series, that's for sure. What was it? 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 17-13 was one of the games? Yeah, football score. Yeah, you will see that in week one. Yes, you will. <laughs> but yeah, it does seem that they juice those baseballs up a little bit for the fans there. And it's kind of interesting because neither you or I are very big soccer fans. Mm-mm. But it seems that the sports, both sports being a little slower, a little more strategic, lower scoring in general. Um, I think both sports require an attention span. I feel like the game of baseball is something that English people or British people would, they might enjoy. Some of them might enjoy some of the strategy that goes behind it. There's some similarities between those two sports, especially the fact that once you sub a guy out, he can't come back in. So I feel like the game doesn't need, they didn't need to juice up those baseballs for those fans. I feel like they would have enjoyed it anyway. And they, they got a packed house both days. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was like, a, what was it, 60,000 or something? Yeah, it was huge. A- yeah, absolutely ridiculous numbers. Um, yeah, I see where you're going with that. I do think the the element of the games between soccer and baseball are kind of the same. And I, I guess like a home run would be comparable to a goal probably. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's it's fair to say that they're probably intrigued with the 17-13 score that was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like, why are the... If they ever came back and it was a two nothing game, they'd be like, "Where's all the runs?" <laughs> but he yeah, shared I, something. Oh, go ahead. I, I do think like um, I, th- I think it was a very cool thing for the MLB to do, and I think it's probably something they'll do year in year out. Um, Cubs Cardinals next year is that what it is? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say you would want a big bigger rivalry like Yanks Red Sox made perfect sense for that. Cubs Cars is a great fit. You could do uh, Giants Dodgers one year. Yeah, something like that, and then. Phil's Briggs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that is a good one. Yeah, it is. It is getting up there. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think it was a very cool idea and I'm glad that it's going to become an every year thing because, you know, I, I, I don't love the NFL when they do that, but yeah. I understand why. And I think the games and the crowds at those games are very cool. I think the one thing that I'm a little, my one concern, my one reservation, as long as the players say they want to do it, just because I do not enjoy long flights oh, whatsoever. No. <laughs> no. Did you, you agreed? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big long flight guy. Yeah. And I've never done one of those 12 hour flights. The longest I, I mean, I've done maybe like a six hour with, with between two 
six hours distance from here to Turks and Caicos in the Caribbean, which is southeast of the Caribbean, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took two separate flights. So I've never done a really long flight, but I don't even like a three-hour flight. I think the time change that comes with those flights too, yeah. like those guys, I mean, what is, I don't know how many hours ahead or behind it is, but it's six, maybe six hours. Yeah. Yeah. Six hours. So, um, that can play a big role. Like you have to completely change where your body is set up to there. And then you're coming back and you have to get back and used to the Eastern time. Um, yeah. so yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Logistically, it is complicated. It was hard for them to even put the field together they had to ship a lot of uh materials over for the infield and (laughs) if you saw any of that in terms of the dirt and everything they had to ship it on a boat across uh from new england to england so that was uh i did not see that (laughs) yeah it was pretty crazy um but I love the thought behind it. I love the idea. So as long as the players are excited and into it, then I am all for it. Uh, I do think, like you mentioned, that the time change, I think they they tried to put the games at a time where it would be, all right, so this is like a 9 a.m. game. Um, Or, sorry. Yeah, it was early. It was really early, wasn't it? Yeah. So that one... I get, yeah, I guess that wouldn't be the same. But I, I the Saturday game, the first game they played, that mm-hmm. would have been like a normal night game for them, I think. Um, and it was earlier here. I, I don't necessarily remember. I think they were trying to make it in a way that it wasn't too out of rhythm. Yeah, you but, were playing at 4 a.m. Eastern time or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the best they could, but you also have to make it so the fans are going to come out to it. So yeah. it's a challenge. It's tough. Again, as long as the players are up for it, because we know how big a grind 162 games is, all that travel, and at this point especially, you just want to get to the All-Star break and relax a little bit. Um, but, you know, if maybe it's a little easier if they want to do this like they did with the Japan series this year, where you open the season with it a week before all the other games start, and they get to come home and relax a little bit before the season starts. And that, that could be a fun way to open up the season. I don't know. I don't know if it's perfect the way it is, but I think it's a great idea, and there are a lot of things they could do off of this to grow the game in, in Europe. I like the actually, I actually do like the idea of having it beforehand, just because in the middle of the season, these guys are coming back, and where they have a three-game set, and then they're on the All-Star break. Is that how it's set up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of potentially either doing it a week before. You see in the NFL, a lot of times the London teams either have a bye week. Um, it's either before, is it after the London game? Yeah. They, yeah, they set it up so you have a bye week after it. Um, so there's ways probably that they could make it so that they're not playing two games, three games there, and then coming back and playing two or three games right before the All-Star break. Um but I will say, you know, for now, I guess this worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it worked out, and um, yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. Let's just say if Joe Madden is still managing the Cubs at this time next year, and they're in London, he's going to be complaining about this. I know he will. <laughs> it's hurting his sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he always he's the first guy. It's always like. Oh, our, our team has played 30 games in the last 30 days. We're victims. No other team has ever had to do this in the history of baseball. It, the, the league is office's fault and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> we'll get into the Cubs in a second. One last thing I should mention on the London series that was a funny 
thing I heard about they mentioned on the broadcast, you were probably unaware of this, but the English people, they had no idea that if you hit a ball into the stands, you're allowed to keep it. So apparently early in the game, foul balls, some home run balls. They throwing them back? Yeah, they were just throwing them back. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. It's kind of (laughs) cute. (laughs) <laughs> that is absolutely no i wish I, now i wish i would have watched the games <laughs> these guys are probably launching it onto the field <laughs> wow that is hilarious no i did not hear about that i didn't even see anything about that i'm surprised uh, yeah. they probably figured it out pretty quickly i would imagine yeah yeah they probably announced it got got the word keep, spread keep, around. keep the foul balls in foul territory please <laughs> <laughs> we're not trying to have the dude on deck get drilled <laughs> that's how i mean the major league baseball in like the 60s or the 70s they were just they weren't changing baseballs for every pitch you know the guys mm-hmm. ha- they had to throw it back onto the field so they're playing with these scuffed up balls yeah so that has been done before but it's just it's crazy to think about in the year 2019 very different times <laughs> very different i can't even, i wonder how many baseballs they go through in a single mlb game might be a ridiculous number Someone had to have done a study on that before yeah. to look at. I'll have to look it up after the podcast. <laughs> okay, Jordan. Yeah. Let's check in on some news from around Major League Baseball. Let's do it. The Cubs uh, limping into the All-Star break. Is that the biggest story right now? I'm, it seems like it here in Chicago. It seems like that is a big deal, but I'm curious outside of Chicago on a national level, is that something that a lot of people are taking notice of? I, I mean, I follow a lot of Cubs fans, so I'm, I feel with them as in like the news I take in. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the big stories at least. Um, and there seems to be some things about, uh, I mean, you see the same stuff with Madden every year. But you've seen some stuff, some fans, you know, it's Theo's fault. Um, you see some other stuff. I think Bryant came out and said he wasn't too happy hitting second base or hitting second, sorry. Um, subtly. Subtly, subtly, but, yeah, you know, that's how players will normally do it if something's actually wrong. Um, so I do think there are some clear issues. And, yeah, I think, you know, heading into the All-Star break, they're probably one of the teams that will be most talked about. I do think it's important to state, Jack, though, that in terms of run differential, um, I mean, they pretty much blow their division away. So even though they're only four games over 500, um, they're, they're plus 54, which is actually crazy to think about if you're only four games under five or four games over 500. But then you look at the bottom of the division and since he's 42 runs over <laughs> and three games under 500. So, um, yeah, they're definitely one of the stories. I think along with that, I think in terms of the NL, if we want to start there, just yeah. how many teams are truly in this wild card race right yeah. now? Um, it is a ridiculous amount. You can make a case the entire NL Central is in the wild card race. What three and a half games separate Milwaukee and the Cubs from Cincy? Um, and then you look in the West, and San Diego and Arizona are both you know right there. Colorado is right there. And you look in the NL uh, East, and Washington and the Phils are right there too. So. I, I think that might be, if you want to take away one thing from the NL, it's just how many teams are truly in it um, heading into the All-Star break. Yeah. So I want to, let's backpedal a little yep. bit on a couple of things you comment on with the Cubs. So let's go back. What was that you were saying right before you shifted gears over to what is going on? You mentioned Chris Bryant 
and then so Theo uh, hate here and there. The classic Fire Madden, we hear it every year. <laughs> um, I mean, it's the same type of stuff, right? That, that that always seems to pop up when things are going wrong. They get a in a little bit of a slump. You know, I you were mentioning run differential. Let's yes. go there first. Yep. Yeah. Here's the thing with run differential that makes it tough, especially in a sport like baseball and a team like the Cubs. I know a lot of people talk about run differential. There's also value to being able to win close games. And so the Cubs have a game like yesterday where they explode and they, it seems like they either score 10 runs or they score one run. (laughs) And And to be uh, fair, that offense is set up very much so to do exactly that. Yeah. (laughs) So that's where I think it can be a little deceptive with the, this current team. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would agree. Um, but I do think run differential also, in a lot of cases, can be very telling. Yes. Um, yes, who has, take a guess who has the best run differential in the league. The In the National League? Yes. The Dodgers. Yes, in all of baseball. <laughs> yeah. The Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. And they've been the best team so far this season. Um, and then you look across, I mean, the, the three division leaders – in the American League are the top three run differential teams. So I think in a lot of cases it is telling, but I do understand what you're saying in that case that a team that, you know, has the potential to put up a 12 run night is going to, you know, have a a better chance at a bigger run differential more so than a team that, you know, wins a lot of close games. You brought up that thing about Chris Bryant. Mm -hmm. And we also, I'm going to go back to something you said about Josh Bell leading the league in RBIs. Well, why? One of the things, aside from him being an awesome player, he bets fourth in their lineup. So that team gets a lot of guys on base for their best hitter. The Cubs have had Bryant in the two spot for a while. And I know this is a trend with a lot of teams. And for the American League teams, I think it makes a little, it makes some sense because the logic is. Yeah, you have the extra DH. Yeah. So it's not like the order resets in the way it does in the National League when you have the pitcher bat. And in the same way, I know the the logic behind having a guy like Bryant, your best hitter, hit two, is that he's going to get more at-bats over the course of the season than when he hits three. But how big a difference is that over the course of the season? Maybe 10 at-bats? Yeah, and I... Here's my thing about the Bryant hitting two thing is that it makes sense to me. It would make more sense to me if the Cubs had a great leadoff hitter. Yeah. It does not make sense to me <laughs> when you have a 230 Kyle Schwarber hitting ahead of him. And I know the Schwarber does a nice job getting on base. He does. Well, his on base percentage in the leadoff spot is 305 this okay, year. Okay. So, no, he's not doing a nice job getting on base. Yeah. And ahead of Bryant. So, like, I get it for teams like it makes a lot more sense if you have a great leadoff hitter, then yeah, Bryant's going to get a lot of opportunities with that guy on base. But for the Cubs, you have Kyle Schwarber leading off. He's a two what two twenty five two thirty hitter. His own base percentage, like you said, hasn't been good in the leadoff hole. And I get maybe the Cubs don't have a better option, um, but it does, that is why Bryant's not getting nearly as many opportunities with guys on base is because he doesn't have a great guy ahead of him. And a lot of innings, it's probably pitcher and Schwarber. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess in the Madden lineup, you might have a different guy in nine yeah. and the pitcher at eight. But regardless, you get where I'm going. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense if you have a good leadoff hitter. If not, 
oof. And that's probably why Bryant, you know, hasn't had the RBI opportunities. I so he's probably been the three hitter his entire life on every team he's been on. <laughs> yeah. So you can't blame the guy for being like, you know what? I'd like to be in the three spot. I'd like get to get more chances for RBIs because I think I'd help our team better if I was hitting three because the idea of, you know what, maybe we can get more runners on base for our best hitters. I Is that idea? It's not going extinct because you're seeing other teams do it. Madden is very insistent on what he's been doing. Now, he did change it yesterday uh, with... Bryant did hit third yesterday, which was very interesting. And you do start to wonder if some of this is some of these players are not buying into everything anymore. I think there are a lot of problems with this team. And I'm going to let you comment on what I just said. And you can ask me any questions you want. Let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, I can only put it in perspective. I, I watch some Cubs. I don't watch a ton of Cubs. Um, and I... Their lineup is, I want to ask you, in your opinion, you know, where do you go with this lineup? Because you don't want to, if he hits three and Baez hits two, you know, Baez isn't a great on-base guy either. Um, He does hit for a much better average uh, than Schwarber does. So in that aspect, maybe having him ahead of Bryant helps. Um, But where would you go lineup-wise to, you know, get Bryant the most RBI opportunities? That's a great question, Jordan. Uh, you know who I think is a very qualified leadoff guy at the moment, based on the season he's having, is Jason Hayward. Mm. Uh, I'm going to look up real quick. I believe his OBP is around 350, 360, which isn't remarkable, but in terms of this roster, that may be the best option. Uh, 361 OBP this year. Mm-hmm. That's that's solid. Good enough. And he's hitting um, well for average, too, right? Yeah, yeah. he's 270. 14 homers. Mm-hmm. He's having a good year. Um, I, w- I would go him leading off. And then two, here's the thought that I would have with either Javi hitting second or another guy hitting second. Whoever's hitting in front of Bryant is going to see a lot of fastball. So this is a chance to put a good fastball mm-hmm. hitter in there. And I think, Javi's going to see better pitches in this spot than he would in the four spot. Now, maybe you want Javi coming up with more guys on base for the same reason that you yeah. would want Bryant. So in that situation, I would go to Albert Almora Jr., who is an excellent fastball hitter. He hit in front of Bryant a few days ago. I think he had two or three hits, did a really nice job. He's not having a remarkable year but he hasn't been able to get into a steady flow of playing every day because his playing time has been so sporadic so that's what i would do and then i think you could you could have your bryant Contreras, rizzo baez those four guys who are the big four right now those guys getting the most at bats with potentially more guys on base but truthfully you don't have too many great options because this front office did chose not to get a leadoff hitter for whatever reason. Well, and they really haven't had a true leadoff guy since Fowler left, correct? Correct. I mean, it feels that way. Um, so I don't know if it's kind of forced Madden's hand into going with a guy like Schwarber to lead off, but to me, it's never made any sense to lead off Kyle Schwarber. He just makes so much more sense in like a five or a six role where you're going to potentially have guys on and you can get the big blast. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I would actually I would go Schwarber eight right Great. before the pitcher, and here's why. Schwarber walks a lot. He doesn't chase bad pitches. He's the opposite of Javi. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little he's not the most aggressive hitter, but that works to his favor. So if you hit in the eight spot, that's typically a spot where you want a guy who's willing to draw that walk because you have the pitcher coming up next. But if you have a guy who's going to swing at everything, that's where Javi was hitting a couple years ago. And I think he really worked to his success that he got out of that spot because it was like, here's this guy who chases at everything and he's never going to get anything good to hit. And there's an underrated aspect too of an eight hitter and their ability to get on base because them getting on base helps because then you use the pitcher spot. And even if the pitcher gets out in a two out situation, at least you start the next inning at the top of the order. up. Yeah. Um, so that's a very underrated aspect. Or that- the guy gets out and then you got a runner on base for the top of the order. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Um, let's see. What other questions can I bre- have you break down for yeah. the good old Cubbies? Yeah. Um, I mean, p- pitching wise, this staff... Um, heading in, you know, I think it's a great staff for the playoffs. I'm not sure if it's a great staff for a regular season. You know, they have a lot of these older guys. Um, they do have guys who can produce at the big stage. Hamels has done it. Lester's done it. Hendricks has done it. But, you know, what are your thoughts on this staff in the first half? Were you happy with the way they've produced? Um, and I know what who Hamels is hurt right now. Yeah. Um, is Quintana... Quintana, yeah, Quintana's their five, correct? Or I guess their four. Is probably the, yeah, I guess Darvish yeah. is probably their five. Um, <laughs> thoughts on the the staff here in the first half? The most expensive five pitcher in maybe the history of baseball. <laughs> no doubt about it. I think that this is a slightly above average staff. When healthy, it's a good staff. But I do think there is a little risk to the fact that for whatever reason, the way they constructed this rotation, they're banking on three of their five guys who are all in their 30s. So they're susceptible to getting injured. And Lester mm-hmm. spent time on the DL. Hamels is now on the DL. Darvish had Tommy John a couple years ago. So I don't have, I wouldn't have too much confidence in those three guys. I think that Hendricks has been your best pitcher for the last almost four years since going back to 2016. He, I thought he should have won Cy Young that year. He had the best ERA in all of baseball. Uh-huh. He's a, an exceptional pitcher. He doesn't blow you away with his stuff. And when it comes to the playoffs, he's the guy to have the most confidence in. But the fact that you're banking on some of these older guys and then the fact that your bullpen isn't very strong, I, I think there are problems here. I think when the Cubs played their best baseball which was that stretch from mid-April to mid-May or to late May. It was about six weeks where they played extremely well. It looked like the Cubs were back, and I thought they were back. They looked really good. That was all because their pitching did so well over that stretch that they could win games where they only scored one run or two runs. But right now, the pitching staff is average at the moment because you got Chatwood in there. You've got... um, there was a guy, Adbert Alzali, who filled in as a rookie, and he got shelled against the Pirates. Um, he's just not quite ready yet. So you've seen some guys who are good, but right now, at the moment, I think this is an average to slightly above average staff, um, and it doesn't have that potential. I mean, if 
if everyone's healthy, if Lester, Hamels, Hendricks, those three guys are healthy, that's a that's a trio that can win you games in October, as you mentioned. But if they have to spend time on the DL again, if Hamels has to stay there for a month, I just don't know if this team, even if they go out and they add Whit Merrifield or they trade for some guys, I just don't know if the pitching staff can get them into a division lead and it's crazy because despite all these things they're in first place right now <laughs> they're tied for the division well somehow some way and it, i mean to be fair that division as a whole has been i mean i get they play each other a lot but it's been kind of mediocre really the entire group there's what three teams over 500 none of them are over four games and then the other two teams are right near 500 as well so it's almost a division full of right near 500 teams um I'm with you. I feel the same way. And I picked this. Remember, reminder, I picked the Cubs yeah. <laughs> out of the NL. Yeah. And I picked them very much so because I love the the one, two, three punch of a Lester Hamels Hendricks when it matters most. Um, I, In terms of experience, there's, there's probably not a better group that you want um, in terms of guys who have pitched the big games. The staff, though, in – you make a good point, and we kind of see this really around the league is, you know, there's a lot of teams with one or two very dependable guys, and then their three, four, five can be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, We see it all over the league, and you see the, the most successful teams have the three fours, the three and fours, and sometimes even the fives that put together great years. Um, we're seeing it starting to become with the Nationals. They're 26 and 10 in their last 36. And a lot of that is because they have Scherzer throwing every five days. But then after that, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, who leads the NL and wins, and Anibal Sanchez is a four who has like a 3-6-1. So the teams that can be really successful are those teams that get the most out of their three, four, and fives. Um, and when you lose a guy for like the Cubs, like Hamels, who was, you know, your dependable two, probably having a, a one-like season, um, for an extended stretch, it, yeah. the, the burden gets even more important on those guys like Quintana, on the guys like Darvish. And Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, but they haven't put together great seasons. <laughs> um, well, here's the thing. Again, you think about how much they've tr- given up in terms of Cubs gave up Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, who just made his debut the other day, two blue chip prospects for Jose Quintana, who's a four pitcher, they gave, I think they paid the price for Chris Sale and they got Jose Quintana. Jose Quintana, fine pitcher, but I mean, they paid the price for an ace uh-huh. in that trade. They gave up a lot. Quintana has not lived up to what they were hoping for based on what they no. gave up. Darvish, huge contract. Monster. I think mean, six, yeah, six year deal and, you know, 25 a year. And he, right now, it's like he he did well enough. He's been serviceable recently, but there have been times where you're like, can this guy even be in your rotation because he can't go deep enough into the game? He get he looks distracted. I just don't think it's a good situation for him here in Chicago. I think he'd be better off in a smaller market where there's less pressure and less media attention and to be to tell you the truth, these fans can be a little brutal sometimes. I think he'd be better in a situation like he was in Texas where he was beloved and 
there wasn't a whole lot of attention. And, you know, we also mentioned the injury history. So, yeah, those are your four or five guys, and they both have been very shaky this season. Yeah, I mean, Darvish hasn't even been a good five <laughs> in terms of, like, <laughs> like actually measuring him as a five. I, I can't even say he's had been a good five because he's an ERA over five. Um, so, yeah, I think that – I think, you know – People always point to sometimes the offensive issues. It's the same in Philadelphia. A lot of people will point to the offensive issues. But, you know, when you have these guys, you know, the Darvishes of the world that have over a five-year-old, I don't know where Quintana's at right now. Um, but sometimes at three, four, five, you're not getting much out of them. And in, I don't know how Chatwood's throwing after Hamels has been down either. But um, it, can, it can really be a detriment to a team heading into a game knowing – knowing that Darvish is going to give up five runs or knowing, you know, knowing that these three, four, fives can't get the job done. And let's also make note that Craig Kimbrell's second save opportunity, <laughs> he blew the save. And then that was his third appearance. His second appearance, he came into that game for whatever reason that the Cubs lost 18 to five and he got lit up in that ninth inning. I don't know what he was doing out there in that spot. Maybe he, they wanted him to get a little bit of work in there, but it felt like a little bit of a waste. That seems like a spot where you put in a position player and not the guy that you're banking on to potentially be the best closer in all of baseball, which he has been in the past. But I do think, I know a lot of people are really excited. Cubs got Craig Kimbrell, but last year, a lot of pitchers struggled who didn't get their regular reps at spring training and came in late. You look at Greg Holland, who got DFA'd in the middle of the season. Now he's back to himself, and this is a three-year contract. So there are a lot of things right now that are alarming. Well, yeah, and it's not, um, you know, pitching is a lot of it has to do with you're on a set schedule. So you need that certain amount of rest, and then you need that spring training, and then you should be, you know, good to go when it comes time. When you're sitting around and when you're throwing, you know, People will say you're throwing simulated games. You're out and throwing. It's just not the same. <laughs> it's just yeah. not the same. And it, it, yeah. it's very easy to um, compare it to football. You know, you see a lot of those guys who skip out on training camp, or you know, skip out at a couple games. And try. It'll be really interesting with Le'Veon Bell this upcoming year. You know, he missed a full season. It's just not the same that he, even if he was training, you know, away from the game. Um, those reps are so important. It, you know, I actually I did like the Kimbrel deal for the Cubs just because I think, you know, he is the type of guy who can make the big pitches in the big moments when it matters. Um, it was the best option at was. the time. You're not going to get a guy like that um, at, in the trade market. You're going to have to pay assets. The Cubs don't have a whole lot of that. Yeah, in the and I think, I think that's the underrated aspect of it, too, is if you have the money, it's 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 a much better idea to sign a guy like that then make a deal because a lot of these farm systems, well, I guess not a lot of them, but some of them are very, are hurting. How, how is the Cubs farm system currently? Rebuilding right now. Rebuilding. Yeah, rebuilding. So you don't want to have to give up a top prospect to get a guy like Kimbrell. Um, and that's why I kind of I look at it the same way the Braves signing Keuchel. I, I think it was a great signing because you did, they didn't have to give up anything. And it's complete. It's just a it's a, it's a chance, you know. If Keuchel's a four or five for them down the stretch, that's completely fine, given their staff. Um, so I like the those two teams, you know, both contenders making moves like that to go, potentially make their team a lot better. Yeah, the the Keuchel deal. I mean, both deal both deals seem like no brainers. I'm just saying, temper your expectations a little bit 
we don't know what the Cubs are going to get out of Kimbrel this season. I would expect him to look sure. like the regular Kimbrel next season. But keep in mind, he did not pitch very well last postseason. So there are a couple things that you can be a little concerned about. Yeah. A little alarming. Yeah, past that, it's not a great bullpen regardless. A lot of guys who have been used up a lot, burnt out a lot. Um, Keuchel's a great ad for the Braves. We're going to move mm-hmm. over to some of these other teams at the moment, but I want to give you one last uh, comment on the Cubs. Uh, you probably would have asked, what do I think the Cubs should do from this point moving forward? And <laughs> the answer to that is I don't think that if they make a trade, I mean, maybe, you know, I'd like to see them add uh, maybe Will Smith from the Giants as another bullpen piece, you know, maybe a couple of moves here, patch things up. But I don't think a move like that is going to launch them into the same league of Braves and Dodgers right now. Clearly, there's a lot going on. Injuries can occur. But those two teams look like the class of the National League at the moment. It doesn't look like anyone is too close to... Uh, catching up with them or taking them down in a playoff series. We'll see what happens. But I think the Cubs, I know people talk about potentially shaking things up managerially. I think they're at this point. They kind of need to play it out and just evaluate guys as best they can. See what you got in Schwarber. See what you got in Almora. See what you got in Addison Russell. Some of these guys, just play them. See what you got down the stretch. I'm not saying this season's a lost cause, but I just don't think a big move or two or even three is going to radically change the culture and the trajectory of this team. And I do think the Cubs, if they continue at the rate they're at, they've been taking steps backwards over the last few years, went from World Series and LCS to losing the wild card game. And if they, even if they win the division, if they're out and they don't win a playoff series, I think you got to change things up because I think the culture of this team right now is too laid back. They need some veterans in there. They're going to grind gears of some of the younger guys when Javi Baez hits a ball to the wall and he doesn't run it out because he thinks he hits a homer and he only gets one (laughs) base off that. That's a big mistake. And you're seeing these mistakes left and right. There's so many mistakes, errors. They're fourth in all baseball and errors. They're in the bottom third in the league and fielding percentage. They lead the league in outs on the base paths. Some of these things are culture in terms of, I don't think what Madden has done is working for them right now. I think he was the right manager when he came in for the team, but I'm not sure he is at the moment. That could be a conversation for another day. But I think, I don't think, I don't feel too great about the Cubs. I think you got to just let this play out, see what happens and, Jordan, I'll give you three potential names for the next Cubs manager. <laughs> I think I know one. <laughs> All right. The one, Joe Girardi. That was him. Would you say he's the best manager on the market for any team? I guess any team that wants to compete. I do think he he makes a lot of sense in that aspect, yes. I think he's good with managing in terms of veteran players. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. Give me your other two names. Uh, Mark DeRosa, who had two really good years with the Cubs, and I think he's one of the best analysts in all of baseball, not just MLB Network. He's fantastic, whatever he's doing. 
He's great, and I think he has the tools. He was a good veteran leader back when he played. I think he could be a great manager. And then lastly, David Ross, the great story with him and the Cubs and being the veteran guy on that team when they won the World Series. A little like Major League Two when <laughs> uh, Jake... Uh, Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and he comes back from Major League Two and he becomes the manager. I think any one of those guys makes sense if a spot opens up, which at this moment, without any sources, and there's a lot that could still happen, I I think there's going to be a change this offseason. For a guy like David Ross, would you like maybe to see him in a different coaching role before landing a managerial job? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I I would prefer especially just because he has the history with this team and stuff. I think it'd be good for them to see him in a coaching role first. So that yeah. way the guys are used to it. I th- but I think he's, I think he could be good regardless. I think that is a very underrated aspect and not often it's, you see a lot now is guys just being thrown into the fire um, with little to no coaching experience yeah. and just getting it's a, a trend right yeah, now. And I, That's what everyone's doing. I'm not a huge fan of that trend. I, I think experience matters, and I think um, I think it's a very underrated aspect when you see some of these managers actually land jobs that you know they're very very qualified for. I think all, I do think all those guys have the tools to potentially. I mean, Derosa and Rossi. They have no managerial experience. I think they have tools to be a really good manager, potentially a great manager. But I do think Girardi is the best option in terms of guys that are out there on the board. I I couldn't see Buck Showalter coming in and the guys loving that quite as much. I feel like Girardi is a good balance between a Madden and a Showalter in terms of those styles. But I think it would be good to uh, you know change things up. Yeah, and I have an example. I think... Um... Brian Snitker of the the Braves, he coached in the minors for like twenty years, and then yeah, finally got been, yeah finally got his yeah. chance. He's done a fantastic job with that roster. <clears throat> yeah, it's I don't the reason why I don't think something's going to happen in the middle of the season unless it really desperate times call for desperate measures. Where let's say they were to you know go on another five game losing streak which they just lost four in a row, but let's say they had another one. They fall under 500. The thing is, there's just no one on this team right now in terms of the coaches that they have that makes sense as an interim manager because they just lost two of their their last two bench coaches just got hired, Davey Martinez and Brandon Hyde. Mm -hmm. So both those guys are now managers with other teams. So Mark Loretta is your bench coach, but he's hasn't done that before. He's only done it for a couple months. So I just, I don't really see things really being shaken up over these next couple weeks, but I, I think they will be this off season. Interesting times potentially changing in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, let's, that was like a lot of Cubs talk right there. <laughs> it was. It, but I feel like it's it's topical. Oh, it's no fitting. doubt, no doubt, definitely relevant. <clears throat> okay, Jordan, you wanna you wanna weigh in on what's going on with the Phillies right now? How are you feeling about the team? Sure. Um, one, I want to touch on one of probably the main reasons things are where they are right now is the Andrew McCutcheon injury. 
that was a huge loss and it's not even what he brought on the field it he was a great i think leader type guy for them um and maybe he's doing that now um on the off the field stuff but just in terms of the leadership he brought when he was playing oof that is a huge loss and it's really been a huge loss they were on a little bit of a downtrend before that injury but after that injury it really, really seemed to take a toll on this team. And mostly, Jack, because they've been trying to figure out who should be the leadoff hitter ever since that injury happened. McCutcheon was having a great year. On-base percentage was like 380 out of the leadoff spot. He was the perfect guy to have ahead of some of these guys. So that right there was one of the major things that's happened. Two, um, the front office doubled down, tripled down on some starting young starting pitchers who haven't had triple down. I like triple down (laughs) because they've been there since what it feels like 2003. Um, (laughs) Some of these guys. um, And what did I say? I think I said this heading into the year is the key was going to be the guys after Nola and Arietta. The three, four, five, you had to have some of these guys take a step forward. And the Zach Eflin got off to a great start. He's had some really bad starts as of late. He's up to like a three eighty RA. After that, they've had a, group of like three or four different starters handle the last two spots in the rotation. Velasquez has been Vince Velasquez, a four or five ERA guy. He just hasn't gotten any better. A year goes by, year goes by. We hear about how dominant the fastball is. He hasn't gotten any better. Nick Pavetta, another one. People have screamed breakout Pavetta. I think they did it in 2017. They did it in 2018. We heard it again in 2019. He has great stuff, but Jack, as we know, it takes more than great stuff to succeed in yeah. in baseball. And there's just something isn't there. Something's not there. One thing goes wrong in a game, whether it's a walk, somebody hits a solo homer, and it just seems to all collapse with Nick Pavetta on the mound. He's over a 4-5 as well. I think he's over a 5. Um, and then, you, you know, you've had the guys who have filled in. Jared Iacoff got off to a good start. He's hurt again. Um so the staff as a whole, they, the front office has doubled, tripled down on these, you know, these last three, four guys that have been fighting for these spots for years now. And look, it's, it just hasn't worked. None of them have just seemed to get any better. Um, and it's it's been a little bit detrimental to this team. There's no two ways about it. Um, bullpen injuries is another really crucial one. I think there were six arms at a time, at one time, that were on the disab- uh, the IL. <laughs> The injured list. Um, And these are some crucial, crucial arms, too. Uh, David Robertson's hurt. Sir Anthony Dominguez was supposed to be, like, their young gunner, gunner, their future closer, Um, was going to be their setup guy this year. He's got the UCL injury. I don't think he's getting Tommy John yet, but inevitably it looks like it might end up there. Um, And then, you know, uh, Nishak is another one. Really good guy out of the pen. Has had a lot of success for them, but just seems to get injured and injured and injured over and over again. Um, So that has been very detrimental, too. Uh, A a beat-up pen has forced a lot of guys who aren't major league pitchers to come in from AAA and just haven't had that much success. The pen just hasn't been great ever since a lot of those guys have gotten hurt. And lastly... Um, four, and I mean, again, we're talking about a team that's three games over 500 and only six games out of first yeah. place, and is right there for. But I'm just talking about I'm just talking about the things that are wrong with this team right now, and I'm not going to put it all on some of these guys in the middle of the order, but 
this was supposed to be Jack one of the best, if not you know, this was supposed to be one of the best lineups in the NL, especially power wise. This was supposed to be a lineup that produced runs via the home run. That's how the team is built, pretty much. And a lot of these guys, I think the Phil's home run leader is Hoskins, and I think he has 19. Harper has 15. So these are guys who you would expect. You know, if the Phil's are going to have major success, these guys need to be some of the best power guys in the league. Yeah. And in, in this in this league that's going on right now, 15 homers reason <laughs> that much. No. Um, so this team is built, especially offensively. And there are some guys who can hit for average in this lineup. Segura hits for a good average. Cesar Hernandez hits for a good average. Scott Kingery has been a really, really nice surprise after what was a really tough rookie year. Um, but if I think I think if this team's going to get to their highest level, they need these power guys. And Jay Bruce is in the lineup. I will say Jay Bruce has 22 bombs, so I was wrong there. But he was a midseason addition. Um, via trade, which has worked out so far, but I'm not a huge Jay Bruce guy just because he's pretty much home run or bust. His on-base percentage is really low. Um, but the way this team is built, if they're going to compete at the highest level, if they're going to be you know, battling for a division title when it matters most, you're going to need the Bryce Harpers and Reese Hoskins um, to produce at the highest level in terms of power, and they just haven't done that just yet. It was a lot. I have nothing else to add. I think you summed it up well. <laughs> that was a lot. Um well done. But again, but again, we're talking about a team that's three games over 500, but it's a Philadelphia team. Everybody, every fan is going to go insane <laughs> when this team's not in first place. Oh my gosh! And what I just feel, what I just talked about, is like a very soft version of what the majority of Philadelphia fans are saying right now. Um, Philadelphia fans not huge on the GM, not huge on the coach. Um, but I mean, we're halfway through a season. Um, I think if it doesn't work out, you know, you have to look into those things. Um, but at this point, I mean, there's not too much like a, a GM change at this point in the season. You know, what are you going to do? Uh, you got to play out the trade deadline. Now, moving here at the deadline, if this team is going to get better, I'm a little worried here. I am because I do think this the the front office right now is feeling a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. Because this is a team that essentially went right. They went all in. We traded our top. Our, our top prospect in Sixto Sanchez for JT Real Muto. Um, and actually, Real Muto, I didn't mention him. He's another one that needs to produce more offensively. Um, he's hitting about 270, but his power numbers aren't great. And he was one of those bats where, you know, we made that deal to get the best catcher in baseball. He's been great defensively, just not phenomenal offensively. And for this team to succeed without McCutcheon, he needs to be that. Yeah. Um, but. It, at the deadline, I'm a little worried because front offices, when they're in tough spots like this, they're feeling the pressure from the fans. They're, you know, it starts to become, oof, you know, if we don't, if we don't have a good second half, we could be gone. Um, it puts you in a dangerous spot where you can mortgage a type of future of an already weak farm system for a rental. So these guys are going to come available. It's going to be the Strowmans. It's going to be the Bumgarners. Um, Jack, I'm not sold this team is one starter away right now as currently constructed without McCutcheon for the long run with a bunch of bullpen injuries. I'm not sure that they're currently constructed. They're one starter away to have a good chance at making a deep run in October. I, I don't I'm, think they are. I think they need more okay, than that. Okay. I would agree. And I'm worried. Again, I said this is a weak farm system. There's two top 100 prospects in baseball on the fills. Two. <laughs> Two. Same so with I'm the Cubs. It, 
Yeah, that's fair. I'm worried they you make, you know, the type of trade. Maybe it's, you know, the Quintana type trade. I hope not. <laughs> but you make that, you know what I mean, yeah. that type of deal where you mortgage some of these guys who could be really, really good ball players for you in like two to three years for a rental starter that doesn't yeah. push the button. That's my worry. Um, and I was team, I mean, you talked to me three weeks ago. I was team, we got to get a starter. We got to get a starter. But as this season has progressed, you know, as we've seen this lineup day in, day out, um, as we've seen the three, four, fives of this rotation, um, I just don't feel like we're one starter away. And I think it's a very dangerous situation for the Phils. Um, and I am, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens at the deadline, but I, I'm not, I would be lying <laughs> if I said I wasn't worried. Well, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> I want to, will, no before we it. do Home Run Derby, we don't have too much time, uh, give me one thing from the second half that would not shock you. Ooh. I think I know yours. What is it? Does that have to do with Cincy? Well, it has to do with the division as a whole. Okay. One thing that would not shock me, the Washington Nationals win the NLEs. Ooh, I like it. That would not shock me. They have two of the best everyday players, and they have the best rotation. They have probably three of – they might have three of the four best pitchers in this division, as long as Soraka doesn't I, – I feel he'll struggle down the stretch. You know, rookie arms often Yeah, I mean, do. Freed has hit a bit of a stretch where Freed, he's – Yeah, Freed has. Slowed yeah. down, but I – I think Freed's going to be a great pitcher over the course of his I, year, yeah, career. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, I agree. What I'm saying here is I think Washington with Rendon, who also is very, very underrated, um, phenomenal bat, and Soto, I think they have two of the best everyday players in this division. And then rotation-wise, when you look at Scherzer, who's easily the best pitcher in this division, and then Corbin and Strasburg to follow him up, I would not be surprised if Washington made a run. To win the NLEs, that would be my not. What was it? Supr- shocking? Yeah, something that wouldn't shock that, you. That would not shock me. All right, I like that one. Mine is nothing would shock me out of the NL Central. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. I think the Reds or the Pirates, either one of these teams could win the division. And the Pirates are playing a nice stretch of baseball right now. They just took three or four from the Cubs. I think they lost a couple games before that, but they went on an eight and two or nine and one stretch before that. They had a lot of injuries. They're starting to get healthy. They have some nice young players, uh, Newman and Reynolds at the top of the order, and Adam Frazier. Those three guys are very, very good players. Josh Bell is spectacular, as we've talked about. So there's some bats on this team, and that's something they didn't have quite as much of last year now they do have they still have dickerson they still got polanco Marte, those outfielders that are very good very intriguing uh dickerson's a really good player i think he was an all-star last year but they have a better lineup than they did last year and in sim on a similar note the reds have a much better pitching staff than they've had in the last couple years so i think Mm -hmm. both these teams when healthy could make a, a really strong push here to win the division. And even the Cardinals, the Cardinals, I don't know what they are. They, they have been so confusing to me 
nothing would surprise me with them. I could see them finishing in last. I could see them going to the World I, Series as I, I predicted think, them I, to. I think the key with them is they've hung around. Yeah. You know, that's the key. Yeah. Give yourself a chance heading into the second half. They've hung, hung around when probably they haven't played even close to their best baseball. So they could be a threat, no doubt. Yeah, and I think Scooter Jeanette coming back to the Reds is big for that lineup. They've The lineup has struggled a lot more than it has in recent years. This is a lineup that's put up a lot of runs over the last few years. Scooter Jeanette was quietly their best hitter last year. He hit 310, had uh, 26, 27 homers. In fact, uh, really, I don't think got enough attention and, or converse, wasn't in the conversation, but I thought his the season he had was pretty comparable to Javi Baez's last year. But, you know, based on the, the coverage, you don't hear about the guy in Cincinnati. You hear about the flashy player in Chicago. Uh, but Scooter Jeanette coming back as a stable contact hitter and who's a little comparable to a guy that I know you like a lot with the Phillies and Gene Segura, just being such a great contact hitter, having yep. him as a steady force is really going to help space out that lineup. He just came back last weekend. I think that he's going, Votto has been hitting very well lately, by the way. Um, well, there are a lot of guys. I think that once you get Scooter in there, it's going to space out that lineup. And I think some of these other guys like Suarez, who was an all-star last year, are going to up their production in the second half. And they have a lockdown bullpen. So, really, I could see any of these teams winning the division. Nothing would shock me. And, Jack, you touched on Scooter Jeanette. Do you want to – I mean, that is a, his type of hitter, that type of hitter, is a lost art in the league now. Yeah. You don't see it as often, but – Oh, that's a beauty to have in the lineup. So I'm with you. I think that is a, I mean, that is a huge thing to get him back. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy throughout the second half because he is very fun to watch as well. He's in a contract yeah. here too. So hope you can so get a big second, money. Yeah, big second half for him. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, that's interesting. I think, yeah, three and a half games separate first to last in this division. So I'm with you. I think anything, anything could happen. Who knows? And then the, the one thing that has been a little surprising on the AL side that I will make note of and that'll give you a chance to put some final thoughts in and we'll comment on the home run derby and that is the fact that it's pretty open for the second wild card this year in fact both wild cards are up for grabs in the american league where a lot of us thought especially in the first two months we thought all right you got maybe six teams vying for five spots but oakland texas boston all right there behind those, the Rays and the Indians and your two wild card spots. The A's have rattled off a really nice stretch here, as they always do in their magical seasons. <laughs> and then the Rangers have been a big surprise to a lot of people. I know you liked them a little bit coming in the season. They've been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of exciting young players, and it's been fun to watch the metamorphosis of Gallo and also Mike Miner too. Yeah, he's been fantastic. He was supposed to be one of those guys that was going to be a sell at the deadline, no doubt. But I think now that they, you know, there's seven games over 500, they might think about keeping him for the stretch run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the AL, my one thing is you have to wonder if Boston's going to make a run at some point. Um, you know, they haven't played great baseball this year and they're still five games over 500. I wonder if in the second half, Boston figures it out and they go on a big run. I don't know. It probably depends on how long Tampa hangs around or if Tampa is truly here to stay. They're 12 games over. I mean, they've been fantastic so far this year. 
everything checks out for them so far. And you were, I mean, you were dead on. You you were on Tampa <laughs> early. You did talk me into it a little bit. I think I had Tampa as a second wild card. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's the inner. That's the thing I'm going to be looking out for is does Boston make a big run here in the second half? Yeah. Well, it'll be a lot of fun to watch out for. Let's quickly look at the names in the home run derby. I thought they got a pretty good roster here, Jordan. What do you think? Yeah, I think they did a great job. You have, I'm a big fan of getting some of those young talent guys in that people will be intrigued to watch. They did a nice job with this group. Yeah, got to have Yelich in there. Of course. Um, I, I need to open this up real quick. Alonzo as a rookie in New York. Mm-hmm. He's having a historic rookie first half. I know a lot of home runs are being smashed this year, though. So <laughs> it is a historic year in terms of long ball. Bregman, Peterson, Bell, Acuna, lots of exciting young stars. I do think everyone would have rather seen Bellinger in there instead of Peterson. So Bellinger yes. must have turned it down. Probably. Has Bellinger done it before? I feel like he has. I could be wrong. I feel like he has. Did he do it that year that Judge did it? He was out in in Miami. Where was the Miami? Was that? Yeah, yeah that was uh, last year. Yeah. Or no, two years ago. Two, two years. years ago. Yeah, the Judge one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The Judge hit the ceiling in that yeah. park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he made the finals, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was those two guys. Yeah. Okay. Makes I don't sense. remember who won, yeah. but. <laughs> I think Judge did. Yeah. Could, could be wrong. Yeah, I think that was it. So I think this is a fun mix of guys. I'm a little surprised there's no Cub in there because you would think with all those Cubs guys, but they're big home run hitters aside from Contreras. They've all done it. Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, yeah. and Baez have all done it before. I'm a little surprised Baez didn't want to do it again, but I guess that's pretty standard with a lot of guys not wanting to do it a second time. No, the home run derby seems to be from the majority a one-time deal, and then you call it a career. <laughs> and then it's in your city, you get someone yeah. like Harper last year. Yeah, exactly. And Santana. It's cool that they had the million-dollar prize. Oh, I think that's great. At anytime they add a little bit something, add a little bit to anything in like an all-star weekend, it's a good idea. All right, give me your pick. Um, I'm going to go with the young gun, Alonzo. Ooh, man. I really wanted to pick him, but I'm going to pick someone else. <laughs> I was between. Where are they at? Cleveland. I yeah. should I should have looked at the field dimensions before I <laughs> decided. I'm going to go with Alonzo. Uh, okay. He's just a freaking beast. So entertaining to watch. I was between Alonzo and another guy, so I'll go with the other guy. Make it interesting. I'm going Josh Bell. So I'm meeting you in the semis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting with a switch hitter, which side does Ooh. he hit from? Does he does he pick which he thinks, oh, short right field wall, maybe yeah. go up there lefty and try to pull it? Or that's an interesting thing I haven't thought a whole lot about before. It's got to be whichever, he feel, whichever he's got more homers, right? You yeah. would think there'd be a clear, yeah, that's true. clear winner. So who knows? I think a guy like him with his body type and strength is just tailor-made for the Home Run Derby. You saw it with Schwarber yeah. last year, uh, who went to the final. So I think I like him a lot. I think he's going to be – he's my pick. Regardless, really fun group to watch. I'm intrigued by Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, I want to see how he does. And a guy like Yelich, too, who, like, 
he leads the league in homers, but when you look at Yelich, you wouldn't think he did. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that should be an intriguing thing to watch as well. It's a little odd that there are five NL guys and only three AL guys. A little bit, yeah. You would think they would even it up. And that Vladdy Jr. is one of your AL guys. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to wonder how many denied it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Probably a good chunk. <laughs> I feel bad for Vladdy Jr. that there's been so much pressure on the guy. I kind of wish. It seemed like when they had that big debut on MLB Network yeah. and they were hyping it up all day, they were wanting it to be like an NBA player. Where they come out, his yeah, they come out and drop 30 on opening. <laughs> yeah, but that's not how baseball works. Uh, no. You have to figure it out in the majors. And, I mean, he's 20 years old, and he's still, what, got eight bombs and hitting 250. So he'll figure it out. I would not be surprised. He's got a heck of a future yeah, in front of him. I would agree. I don't think the eight homers is, you know, a whole lot for this uh, event. But. No. <laughs> That's straight. He had to be. I mean, you have to wonder if how many denied it for somebody like yeah. him. New Normally, it's always guys who have 20-plus or at least 15-plus. They were known as power guys. Yeah, also interesting, no Yankees or Red Sox guys in yeah, there. Especially with the Yanks lineup. All, all of them are coming back from the IL. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jordan, I think we knocked it out of the park today. You like what I did there? Well done. Good work. <laughs> Thank you so much for making some time over this 4th of July weekend to come on, talk some baseball. It's kind of last second, but I had a lot of fun today, and... I very much enjoyed myself. For sure. Thanks for having me as always, Jack. Lastly, Jordan, is there anything that you would like to plug or promote here? Uh, social media, handle, business ventures, anything like that? Uh, Twitter, at RealJMorandini. Instagram, RealJMorandini or Jordan Morandini. One of the two. <laughs> That's all I've got. Just tag the personals. <laughs> okay, sounds good. We'll definitely have to check in. Um, I don't know. We might be talking football the next time Uh-oh. you're on. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you... we're only like a month and a half away from that really heating up with all the preseason stuff. I'm not a big off-season football fan. With There's just not a whole lot to get excited about until you get to the preseason. Yeah, apart from the fantasy, figuring out who the heck you're going to draft in fantasy football, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. The mock drafts in April and May. <laughs> Well, we'll check in at some point. Um, We'll talk some baseball, talk some football, and I'm looking forward to it. So thanks for joining me today. For sure. Thanks, Jack. So that does it for my conversation with Jordan Morandini. Had a great time talking some baseball today. Coming up on the podcast later this week uh, or next week, however you want to look at it, I'm going to be recording an NBA off-season review recap uh, once Kawhi signs, and I think that's going to be soon. So Andrew Raby is going to join me for that one. That should be a lot of fun. He knows a lot about basketball, and he's a very funny guy. And then I teased it earlier, but I think that the Toy Story podcast will be coming out sometime over the next week. So keep your eyes out for that one. Should be a lot of fun for both of those episodes to drop. In addition to that, if you like what you listen to on this podcast, you can subscribe to Press On Sports on iTunes and you will never miss an episode. You will always be aware whenever there's fresh content available. Go ahead and leave us a five-star review while you're at it. Uh, Much appreciate that. uh, Very much so. 
And if you want to get in touch with me on social media, you can tweet me at the Jack Vita. Follow me there, and I tweet a lot about sports and some other stuff, reality TV, a lot of stuff that I talk about on the podcast. Uh, it's an extension of that. So if you enjoyed everything, hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Until next time, I'm Jack. Have a great day. God bless. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs>